Well, <clears throat> if you have your Bible, let's uh, let's go to uh, Mark 11. Well, it's, well, it's the goodest place as any to start. Mark 11, yep. Maybe. <laughs> and uh, like we said, this is definitely going to be something you've heard before. And um, and uh, so um, I guess uh, to introduce or to say what we're going to talk about is uh, I just wanted to do a healthy reminder. Just talk about your words a little bit. And uh, what are you saying? Amen. And uh, how many of you know just in the natural, um, <clears throat> your words can either put you over or keep you behind. And, um, <clears throat> you know, talent <clears throat> is um, really, let's say in sports, if somebody's talented, they might have the physical ability and talent to do something, but if they don't think they can, their talent is irrelevant. Right? If they think, well, I'm just not able. You know, if they don't have the confidence, then their talent is almost irrelevant. It really doesn't even matter because their disbelief or they're not believing in themselves limits their ability. Amen? So you might have great talent. You might have a great call of God. You might have a great ability. Uh, but your words really, your words locate your attitude so to speak. Amen? And so uh, we're just going to discuss words today and, uh, and endeavor to remove some limitations. Amen? And so, but it says here in Mark's Gospel, and uh, we'll look at the 11th uh, chapter, and I guess I need to get over there. Mark 11, and uh, we'll read in the 22nd verse. And this is Jesus speaking here. And, uh, and he says, Have faith in... And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. Uh, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say uh, to this mountain, Be removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Amen. And, uh, and so, uh, in this uh, lesson today, uh, I just want to discuss, like I said, your words. Uh, but then, uh, over in Proverbs uh, chapter 6, verse number 2, we'll make reference to that. You don't have to turn there. Of course, you can if you want. It says, Thou art snared or held captive by your words. And, uh, and in, I like that, uh, you know, we don't use them today. I know Dana Prieto, this guy in Tulsa that we know, uh, <clears throat> believe it or not, these people still exist. Uh, he is a trapper. He goes out and traps things, animals and little whatever, I don't know, varmints, uh, varmints and whatever you want to call it. He, and, he, and he might use a snare. Anybody ever watch Bugs Bunny, you know, and, or the Roadrunner? The Roadrunner and the Coyote, the Coyote's constantly using a snare. It's a rope, you know, with a little noose in it, and he's trying to snag the Roadrunner, you know. And it's amazing, and if you snag him, then, he's, then the Roadrunner's limited on how far he can go. You could say it like this, thou art, um, instead of saying thou art snared by your words, uh, you could say it like this, uh, like a dog has a leash. You are leashed by your words. Like, a, you know, like Dana was saying, that that lion had a fence around it. 
And uh, there's pictures, uh, uh, we could probably find them somewhere, where it's a chain link fence and she's leaning right up against the lion. The lion is right there. And um, I mean, and she could touch him, you know. And so, but because of that fence there, he wasn't able to get her. <laughs> and so, and sometimes you can see your answer. And you can see where you're supposed to go. But you're leashed or held back or held captive or, held, or, or you've created limitations by what you've said. Amen? And so, and, uh, and so you know, um, we can see that in our life naturally, like we're saying, like if a sports guy says, oh, I can't make it, then his words are going to limit his ability to apply himself. Amen? And so, um, and then we see here in Mark eleven twenty three, and we'll look at this and... Um, you could say, like, if you're going to make pancakes, you know, um, well, let's, let's go over Let's go over here. Let's look at a couple other scriptures here. <clears throat> let's go to Mark, or Hebrews chapter 11. <clears throat> In Hebrews chapter 11, <clears throat> and uh, this is, I believe it's Paul, uh, but he says here, in Hebrews chapter 11, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For those that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. When you diligently seek God, He's going to reward you. Amen? And so, but it says here, it's, it's an amazing thing. He didn't say without good works, it's impossible to please God. He didn't say, but without prayer, it's impossible to please God. We believe in prayer. We believe in good works. We, how many of you know you should live right? He didn't say, but without living right, it's impossible to please God. He said, without faith, it's impossible to, believe, to please God. So we want to please God, don't we? Yeah. And so, and in, to please God, uh, basically he's saying, it's more important what you believe in regards to pleasing God than what you do. That's right. That's really because eventually what you believe will affect what you do. Yes. Right. Amen. Amen. I said, what you believe will affect your actions. Yeah. And so, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those that come to God must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Amen? And so, faith is important because we want to please God. Yes. Amen? I want to please God. Yeah. Uh, I, want, I, I mean, I appreciate Dana. I love Dana. She's my wife, and I want to make her happy, and I want to do what she wants me to do, and I want to make her smile and make her have a good day. But more than making her happy, I want to make God happy. Yes. Amen. I want, I want to please Him. And He said, faith pleases me. Faith he said, what you believe about it is the preeminent thing that's yeah. going to make me happy, yeah. even more so than what you do yeah. about it. Yeah. And really, the real truth about it, what you believe about it is, is the same. Really, well, let me say this. Faith is released or seen in word and in action. Yes, and word is an action. Yes. And so, uh, when you believe something, you're going to say something. Yeah. And so, saying something is doing something. Yes. It is an action towards it. Uh, and so, uh, you may not have everything figured out. You may not have everything perfectly activated in your life as far as being perfect. But if you're not perfect in a certain area, uh, that's fine that perfection hasn't matured in your life in that area. But more so than being perfect in that area, you need to say the right thing about yes. you in that area. Yes. Because as you say the right thing about about you in that area, that'll create His strength, that'll release His ability in you to make you meet the mark. 
Amen. And so if you don't feel righteous, you've got to say I'm righteous. Because you are righteous because you have received righteousness. Righteousness is not something that you earn or that you deserve or something that you obtain by your actions. Righteousness or being right with God is a free gift that we receive from Him. And then as we believe, I am right with God. Yeah, but I didn't behave right. I didn't do right. That's fine. Fine, 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 fine. If you didn't do right. But how are you going to do right? Well, one way you're going to do right is that I've received being right with God as a free gift and I'm going to hold fast to that. And in holding fast to that, it's going to work out my works. Amen. Works follow us. We don't follow them. Amen. Now, I don't, want to, I don't want to leave the wrong impression because we believe in living right. And we believe in walking right. We, right. Believe, we don't believe you should just go out and start lying and doing and cheating and stealing and doing all that. Right. But the Christian way of doing, the Christian way of behavior is behavior follows my walk with God. Behavior doesn't precede my walk That's with right. God. Yeah. But in the world, behavior constitutes a walk with God. You can't walk with God if you don't behave right. That's not, that's, that's absolutely wrong. We walk with God so that we can behave right. Amen. I need Him. I need Him. I I mean, like I used to say, you know, uh, you you don't get, you know, you would think I was crazy if you're like, what are you doing? And I'm combing my hair and I'm washing my hands and I'm like, I'm getting ready to take a shower. Well, no, you take a shower to get clean. You don't get cleaned up to take a shower. Well, you come to God to let Him cleanse you and make you right. You don't get right to come to Him. Are you out there? And so in coming to Him, He makes me clean. And I've received the gift of righteousness. uh, And then that righteousness is a seed. How many know your body's not right with God? It's not. Your body is not right with God. Because it wants to do crazy things. But you, as a spirit man, can call your body holy and just say, I'm right with God, and it'll keep it under. When you let the force of being right with God on the inside affect you on the outside, it'll help keep those desires and the passions of the body under. Amen. When it, when, whether it's you know eating too much or slapping somebody or doing something crazy. Are you out there? But anyways... Uh, so, um, I will have more examples, but I wanted to... Uh, is this all right, everybody? Yeah. And so, uh, but it says here in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, uh, I'll get to pancakes now. If you want to make pancakes, uh, like we... I bought Dana this most ridiculous pancake mix. It's awesome. It's the, it's the craziest pancake mix. And to me, like, I'm like, why would you even buy a pancake mix? <laughs> because pancakes are so easy to make. You just throw some flour in there, throw some egg, and throw some, you know, baking soda or whatever, baking powder in there. And you just... It's so easy. A little vanilla, whatever. But, you know, I bought this baking mix for her because she wanted it. And all you do is just add water. That's it. You don't put an egg in it. You don't put anything in it except water. And it's really pretty amazing, actually. And, uh, but the thought of it is, is um, you know, you can't get pancakes without adding at least water. You've got to add at least water. You know, and, and it makes as much sense if you just try to pour the powder into the pan and make a pan. It's not going to make a pancake until you add the right ingredients. Amen. And so it, you're not going to be able to please God uh, until you add all the right ingredients. And you could say it like this. Faith is four ingredients. You got four ingredients to faith, uh, according to at least according to these scriptures in uh, Mark 11, 22, 23 and 24. The four ingredients of faith are saying, saying, Saying and believing. You got three parts saying and one part believing. 
Are you out there? Well, where, where are you making that up from? Well, let's look at it here. He goes, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain. Are you just... Well, here's one thing. <clears throat> Faith is there to address your problem. Anyway. <laughs> you could say, Therefore I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain. So that's one say. So what are you going to say to this mountain? Be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. So there's one say and one believe, right? So you believe that those things which you say, <clears throat> is that an amazing thing? So you say to the mountain, and then you believe what you say. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <clears throat> it's an amazing thing. Now you do have to believe the Bible, but in this context he's saying what you say is going to trump even... The will of God, to a certain extent. That's true. Just hold tight. And so believe in your heart, and then, uh, but shall believe that those things which you say will come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. Isn't that interesting? So you've got say to the mountain, believe what you say, and then you'll have what you say. <laughs> so you've got three parts saying, one part believing. Uh, <clears throat> and so you could say, well, what are you going to believe? We're to, when we're talking about receiving from God, we're not talking about receiving from your desires. Because this is the, you could say it like this, the God kind of faith, which is this kind of faith, Jesus said had faith in God. He didn't say have faith in just whatever you want. Because if you could just have whatever you want, people would be like, well, I just believe I'm going to win the lottery. Well, if you're trying to use the God kind of faith, you're saying that I believe God is going to enforce my words so that I can win the lottery. But he's not going to do that. Right? right? Uh, God, uh, uh, the God kind of faith resources God's power. And so you've got to know or be convinced or have his word on it that it's his will before you say it. Amen? So faith in God is founded upon God's word. And so we know from Romans chapter 10, verse number 17, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith in God comes from hearing what God says. Amen. Uh, where are you going to get that kind of faith? From what God said? We know from Acts chapter 14, it says Paul uh, preaching the gospel at Lystra, uh, and a man was born lame or, you know, was lame or impotent in his feet. It says he heard Paul preach the gospel, and then it says Paul, seeing that the man had faith to be healed, said, stand upright on thy feet and be healed. And the man leaped and walked. So, uh, where did the man get faith? He got faith from what Paul preached. What did Paul preach? He preached the gospel. Amen. And so, where are you going to get faith uh, to... Um, where are you going to get faith to receive your answer from what God says? Amen. And so I was saying that because you just can't say whatever you want to say. Yeah. Amen. You have to say what God says about it. Yeah. How many? And, and how are you going to know what God says about it from what His Word says about it? Amen. Yes. And so, uh, and how are you going to know what His Word says about it by reading His Word? Yeah. Amen. And so, but anyways, uh, let's uh, let's do this here. Let's go to Second um, Corinthians chapter four. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures here because um, it's important. <clears throat> it is important what you believe, but it's also important what you say. Yes. Amen. It's uh, you could say it like this. In one in one sense of the word to really get pancakes, it's more important what you say than what you believe. Because you can believe the right thing, but plug your words into what you feel and you won't get what you believe. 
How many, if you believe that God loves you, anybody believe God loves you? You can believe that God loves you, but at the same time, talk how you feel and God's love won't affect you. Like if you just talk about, how many, how many of you know that if you just talk what you feel, then we all would leave here and go jump off a bridge? <laughs> now that doesn't mean you don't have good thoughts or good feelings, but if you focused on the negative feelings that you have or the disappointments that you have and you plug your words into that, it's just going to create more feelings of disappointment. Does that make sense? So if you talk your fears and you talk your doubts and you talk your disappointments, it's just going to compound those doubts and fears and disappointments. Amen? And so, but at the same time, when you're talking that, God still loves you. God still wants to bless you. God, and even, here's, here's the thing, even bigger than God wants to, God has. Isn't it, well, He hasn't blessed me. Well, what are you saying? But here, here's an interesting thing. In Mark eleven twenty four, 24, it says, What things soever you desire when you pray, it didn't say believe that God would do it. It said believe that you receive it. Yeah. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it or take it, and then you shall have it. It's an amazing thing that God has already done everything He's going to do about getting your problem resolved. <clears throat> and it's not so much about getting God to do something, it's how do we receive what He's already provided. Like it's a, it's a wonderful... 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. <clears throat> and we're not going to keep you a whole lot longer. But... Um, So your words are important, amen? Yeah. <clears throat> and so, um, just so you know that I'm not making stuff up, uh, say, uh, faith is three parts saying, one part believing. And then it says here in verse, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. So it's believing and speaking that receives from God. Amen. Yeah. Uh, now, there's been a lot of how many know uh, <clears throat> Now I never did this. And so don't come up and correct me and, and yell at me for doing this because I never did it. But there were always rumors of different people doing this when I was a kid growing up about how they would poison animals. You know, somebody's dog's barking and they're going to try to poison the dog to kill it. You know, that's just awful, isn't it? But it's an amazing thing. You would always hear people say, oh, they took some poison and they put it in some hamburger. They, they took something that was deadly and put it in something that was good. And that's what the devil does. He takes something that's deadly and puts it in something that's good. And so, and I'm so thankful and so appreciative and so grateful uh, in the last, what is this, I guess really now, probably the last 15 years, uh, there's been a whole lot of emphasis on God's grace. And it's wonderful and it's good. But there's a lot of error. There's some error that's in it. But at the same time, the error doesn't do away with the good. That's right. That's right. Because in one sense, God's grace is God's provision. But you can't receive what God's provided for just on His provision. Provision lays the table out. That's good. That's right. Amen? In other words, grace is like, hey, it's time for dinner. Sit up. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what we used to say. Sit up. 
You know, everybody come to dinner. Sit up. Dinner's ready. Sit up. Dinner's provi- dinner is provided for you. But dinner provided for you doesn't get anything in you. That's right. But if it's not provided for you, there's nothing to get in you. That's right. That's right. Amen. And so many people want to fight wars over, you know, are you grace or faith? Or are you this or that or the other? But it's, it's not... See, that's another... The devil wants to divide and say you're either or. But it's I'm all of it. I'm all of it. You know, I love the grace message. Because if it wasn't for grace, I wouldn't have anything to partake of. Grace is what God provided for us. And grace has provided for us. That's why it says here... See, you can see grace here in Mark eleven twenty four. What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive... Yes. It didn't say believe that God would do. Right. He's already done. Right. He's made provision. Right. So because He already has made provision and, and provision is laid out on the table before me, I'm going to reach out and grab it. Yes. Now reach it. Well, you know, it's not about what you do. It is about what I do. <laughs> but what I believe in that you receive, it's not works. It's not me earning it. It's just me partaking of it. Are you out there? Yeah. Some people want to take the, the grace message and, and mess everything up because grace is not works, but that's about its provision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My works didn't make it, didn't provide it. Right. He provided it completely separate from me doing anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It had absolutely nothing to do with what I did. It had everything to do with what Jesus did. Yeah. Jesus' works provided that provision. Yep. Now it's up to my obedience... Obedience, in a certain extent, is works. I have to obey and receive. Yeah. Are you out there? And so, but anyways, um, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And so, believing that you receive, so you believe it where? Do you believe it in your head? No, you believe it in your spirit. In other words, your witness. You believe it in your spirit, in your heart, uh, and then you'll have it out here somewhere. Yes. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Believe that you receive it, and you shall have it. Hallelujah. So you'll have what you believe, and then what you say, of course. Now, Mark eleven twenty four 24 works because Mark eleven twenty three works. You could, say it, you could say it like this. Um, faith makes prayer work, prayer doesn't make faith work. That's right. Yeah. So, Mark eleven twenty three says, you know, you shall have what you say. And then he goes, therefore, what things serve you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. And, you know, the big preaching joke is, when you see a therefore, what, read before and see what it's there for. And I like to change the word therefore to say because of this. So, Mark eleven twenty three is, you can have what you say, and because you can have what you say, whatever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. Because when you believe you receive it and you take it on the inside, then your words will line up with that. Amen? Yeah. Like, like now for, now I don't want to be confusing, but um, I do want to give an example on it. Um, when I got born again, when I got saved, I didn't believe it in my head. I had a relative uh, come to me. Now see, I'd heard the message of the cross my whole life. I heard that Jesus saved. I heard that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. I heard that Jesus died for my sins. I heard that Jesus died on the cross. I even read the Bible at different times. But nobody ever came to me and said, Lonnie, you need to accept or partake or uh, say the sinner's prayer and accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Nobody ever confronted me with that information. I had heard it my whole life, so I believed it my whole life. And I had respect for it. I believed it in my heart. There were some, the Wilsons lived next door to me. Uh, Christy, Beth, and 
Lisa, I think, uh, Lisa Wilson, the, the, the neighbor ladies that lived next door to us, and they were Christians, and they went to church, and I had respect for the things of God. But I wasn't a Christian. No one ever said anything. I didn't know what a Christian was. I just knew that they were Christian, and they went to church. But here's the thing. I believed that. I had a witness. How did I believe it? I had a conviction. I had heard the gospel, and there was something about, I know that that's right. I know that that's, I can't tell you why I know it's right. I can't tell you how I know it's right. But I know that Christianity is right. And you might hear things about Muhammad, or you might hear things about Buddha, or you might hear things about all these other things, but there was nothing there. There was nothing alive in those things. Right, alive in those things. But there was something about Christianity and Jesus dying on the cross that had a life of its own that spoke back to me, and 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 I had a witness on the inside. See, and I couldn't explain all of it at that time, because I'm a kid, I don't know. But I'm looking back on it and seeing, see, I had a witness. I had a conviction on the inside. Jesus is God manifested in the... He is God. He did die for my sins. He did shed His blood to die for me. He did die for me. But see, I never acknowledged that, never said anything about it, never made a statement to agree with that. And then I was 15 years old and went to go visit my mom. I, I was My parents were separated when I was three and four years old. And I never saw my mom, but once every couple of years I would see her. And then we moved closer to where she was. And so I was going to visit her on my 15th birth, or in the, when I was 15 years old. And I was going to visit her. And she said, are you Christian? Are you saved? And I said, well, I don't know. I don't even know what that means. And she said, well, are you going to heaven when you die? And I said, well, I'm going to heaven just as much as anybody else. And she goes, well, not if you're a Christian. I don't know where this came from. I don't have any idea where this came from. I don't know why I thought this way. But I had some kind of inherent knowing there's nobody on the planet better than me. <laughs> but there's a bazillion people better than me at, at tennis or at football or in talent. Of course, there's people better than you. But for some reason, I thought, well, why would somebody else go to heaven and I not? I thought, well, I'm going just as much as somebody else. I don't know why anybody else would go and I wouldn't go. I don't know why I would be barred. And she said, well, you got to get born again. you got to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And I said, where's the line? Where do I sign up? What do I need to do? And thank God uh, she didn't uh, tell me, oh, you got to do this, and you got to quit smoking, you got to quit drinking, you got to quit doing this. She didn't say anything like that. She just said, you need to say this prayer. And so we went to church at the Simmons God Church where they went to church. And at the beginning of the service, they have an altar service. And you go down there. And I went down there and a big guy, really big black guy, really super big guy, and dressed in like a, a green leisure suit. Super good looking, yeah, super good looking guy, super nice, you know. And, uh, and so I went up to him and because uh, he was my mom's favorite uh, elder there. And she goes, she goes, go up to Brother Larry. And so I went up to Larry Washington, just this big, you know, taunting man, you know. And. Uh, and I shook hands with him. I said, I want to get born again. I want to get saved. And so, uh, so he kneels down and he starts praying. And then I just interrupted him. Kind of, I'm supposed to repeat him, but I never repeated a prayer before. I don't know what I'm doing. So I just kind of interrupted and talked over the top of him. But I got born again. You know, and I said that prayer. But here's an interesting thing. My mom told me about it on Wednesday. And she, for some reason, she waited until Sunday to pray the prayer with me. She didn't pray it with me. She was going to take me to church. But between Wednesday and Sunday, I had all kinds of trouble. 
You know, before anybody ever confronted me with that information, the devil never told me I wasn't saved. He never, he never even mentioned salvation. Never mentioned hell. Never mentioned heaven. Never said anything to me about any of that. But on Wednesday, when I heard about it, and I said, yes, I'll say that prayer. And from then on, this won't work. You're going to hell. You're not going to go to heaven. Who do you think you... I had all these battling thoughts from Wednesday to Sunday. And I'm thinking, man, I even called my dad. Can you come get me? To get out of it, to not say the prayer. Because I thought, man, if I can get him to come up here on Saturday, and then I don't have to go to church on Sunday to say that prayer. That's amazing. See, I didn't believe it in my head. I was arguing and fighting the whole time. But on the inside, I had a witness. I had a believer. See, I believed it on the inside the whole time. I believed that Jesus was God. I believed He died for my sins. I believed He was good. I believed all... And I knew that I'm stupid. I knew that I'm without sin. Uh, you know, for you know, the wages of sin is death. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I knew that I'd come short of the glory. I knew I couldn't earn my way. I knew I couldn't deserve my way. I knew I couldn't do that. I, was, I knew that. But, uh, man, something on the inside. Something on the... See, I had that witness. What are you talking about? Believing in your heart. I'm believing in my heart. I'm believing in my heart. I'm believing in my heart the whole time. But then I went down there and... <laughs> I got Jerry, Larry Wash, he's an amazing man. And so then every time I'd go to church, I'd always find Brother Larry, you know, go talk to him and pray with him and stuff. He's amazing. And so... And, uh, but I went down there and I prayed that prayer and felt no different at all. <laughs> Nothing. You couldn't tell there's any difference or anything happened more than you can tell, you know, the sun come up. But my sister's like, do you feel any different? And I'm like, no one told me I'm supposed to feel anything. I didn't know I was supposed to feel anything. My sister's like, did you get anything? And I'm like, what do you mean did I get anything? I got saved. I just said the prayer. You said, if if, if I confess with my mouth, the Lord Jesus, believe in my heart, God is raising from the dead, I'll be saved. And so I'm saved. I'm a Christian. But the thing of it is, as I held fast. Now over in Hebrews, I don't have time to get to it, but... uh, 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 uh. And so, but it says in Hebrews, it says, hold fast yeah. the confession of your faith. Yeah. Hold fast what you say. And see, you, gotta, you believe it, but you got to say it and say it and say it. I believed it, but you got to keep saying it and saying it and saying it. I believed it, but you got to keep saying it and saying it. What do you, did it say, go find somebody that disagrees with you or that just kind of minimizes everything and say to them, no. It said, say to your mountain. Come on. See, your mountain saying, you're stupid. You're going to hell. You're not going to make it. That didn't work for you. No, you got to talk to that. So I just, I'm like, no, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm born again. Thank you, Lord. I'm a Christian. So I went through, I said, what do I do now? She goes, you got to start reading your Bible. So, uh, you know, I didn't have a Bible. So I had a big family Bible, my dad's, and I started reading that giant. You, you had two hands to turn the pages, you know. You know, and, and it has flower, flowers in it, you know, and everything, birth certificates and baby prints in it and all kinds of stuff. And I started reading that. And... Um, and I started reading my Bible, and, uh, but I had that inward conviction, and I held to that. And here's the interesting thing. There was no evidence of me being saved at all. That was in July. No evidence at all. I'm still cussing like a sailor. I'm still chasing girls. I'm still acting a fool. And thank God, I mean, I don't want to sound sacrilegious or anything, but thank God... Nobody told me to stop doing anything. It's true. 
I had an inward conviction yes. and I knew that I was saved. Yeah. And I just said, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm born again. And I began to read my Bible. Yeah. My, bro- my mom gave me a book, Brother Hagin's book, Understanding the Anointing. I started reading that. And seeing I held fast to the confession of my faith. Yeah. I held fast. I just, and I didn't say it to anybody else. I didn't tell people at school. I didn't tell people. I didn't tell, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell my family. I didn't tell anybody. It's not what you tell others. It's what you tell yourself. And when you tell yourself, when you talk to yourself, when you fellowship with your words yourself, it didn't say believe that you receive it and they'll have it. It didn't say they can believe they receive for you. No, it's what you say to yourself. Amen? And so I just kept working that and holding fast to my confession. And I'm just talking it. And then, the, you know, the Lord started dealing with me, dressing better. That was one of, one of the very first things that I had a conviction about. You think he would tell me to, you know, yeah. quit doing all these other blatant sins? Yeah. Nope. Comb your hair better. Yeah. Start ironing your clothes. Because I've done my laundry since I was like in third grade. But nobody ever told me to iron anything, do anything. I didn't know how to. I remember trying to iron some clothes and I burned a hole in the pan. I didn't know. But I started following those inward convictions and started dressing differently. Started acting differently. Started behaving differently. You know? Are you out there? Mm-hmm. And thank God no one didn't put a bunch of rules on me. But eventually, you know, the Lord started dealing with me about other things and I started dealing and correcting and fixing things. But anyways, um, eight more minutes. Is this alright? Mm-hmm. It's important what you believe, yes. but it's really... You're not going to have what you believe. You're going to have what you believe and say. Yes, yes, Amen? Yes, yes. Uh, because if you say what you feel, then you're soliciting what you feel. Yes. You're causing to come to you what you feel. Yes. If you talk your depression, then it gives pr- depression a right to magnify itself in your life. Yes. If you talk your fears, then it gives permission for your fears to inhabit your life. If you talk your limitations, then it gives your limitations a right to enhance in your life. Amen? But if you talk what you believe... See, I believed that Jesus died for my sins. I believed that God forgave me. I believed that I was right with God. And I would say, I'm right with God. I I believed uh, John's Gospel... Remember, my mom told me to read the Gospel of John. It said, He that's God's comes to the light so that His works would be revealed. But he that His works are evil, He shuns the light lest His works be revealed. And see, my feelings were... See, that's 3 John. Or first John's Gospel, the third chapter. And it's right there by John 3.16. See, my feelings were, I don't want to read the Bible and I don't want to be around Christians because they'll see how bad I am. Oh, wow. Does that make sense? Anybody ever been there? You know, I don't want to be honest. I don't want to be truthful and upright because then people will see how rotten I am. But it said right there in that Scripture, and I don't know where this came from other than God. But there came this attitude don't read the Scriptures to find out what you can't do. Read the Scriptures and let them reveal what you can do and who you are. So good. Yeah. And I read that Scripture and it said, He that loves God 
comes to the Word so that it can reveal who He is. And so I thought, I am a Christian. And see, my feeling said, you're not a Christian. Your works are darkness. You're not good. See, condemnation. But I begin to read the Scriptures and says, you said that I'm saved. You said that I'm light. You said that I'm right. So I'm going to read this and let it reveal the light in me. Yes, yes, yes. So I just began to read it. Hallelujah. And, and it began to grow on the inside of me that I'm a new creature. Yes. I'm a new creature. Yes. I'm a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And see, I held to, I believed the Scriptures. See, when you're a Christian and when you walk with God, you on a daily, you have a decision. I'm going to believe what I feel or I'm going to believe what the Scriptures say about me. I'm going to believe what I emotionally see in somebody else or I'm going to believe what the Scriptures say about them. I'm going to believe my outward perception of things or I'm going to believe what the Scriptures say about me. And sometimes, just to be real honest with you, most people are just ignorant of what the Scriptures say about them. Yeah, that's exactly right. There's two different kinds of unbelief. One kind of unbelief is just disobedience. Knowing what the Word says and say no. And then the other kind is not knowing what the Word says. And if you don't know what the Word says, the remedy for that one is find out, is begin to read it. If you don't read your Bible, just read your Bible every day. Take a half hour, read your... Yeah. One episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, come on. Just read your Bible. Just read it. For 30 minutes. Just read it. Just one episode of a news show. I mean, not even... A, a news show usually lasts an hour. Think, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take that one episode of that news show and read my Bible. I'm just going to take the commercials and read. They're so long. Because see, here's the thing. The Word of God is alive. It's not something you, you... People would always ask me in different things, you know, like, how do you remember Scriptures? I don't remember Scriptures. Those Scriptures are alive. They're in the inside. They abide in me. I fellowship with them and they imprint themselves on me because they have a life of their own. They're not like the facts about George Washington. Those words are just dead on a page. The the instructions for your DVR player are not alive. They just lay there. You know, the the apps on your phone to how to fix them or do things, it's just dead words that are there that just lay there. But this word... It's alive. And see, and I would, I would read the Scriptures, and then I would confront a mountain. And I can look to the mountain and say, it's not possible. But man, there would be something that would come on yeah. the inside. There would be a quickening. One that's pretty amazing, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ yes. which strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. And see, don't make it just... A stereotype of what you think about that. Oh, I can do all things through, you know, the haloed guy with a beard, uh, you know, as he strengthens me. You know, because we get all these images when we think of scriptures and tradition, but you start changing it up. I can do this task because of the anointing that abides on the inside of me. That's all of my weakness. Think about it. If Christ is going to strengthen you, that means you can't. What does that mean? If you need His strength, that means you're weak. 
So that means where you're weak, he applies his strength. Hallelujah. So instead of being, see, weakness can talk loud to you and say, you're stupid and you're weak. You see that? Your inability can say, you can't. But he just said right there, I know you can't, but you can through Him who strengthens you. So I'm like, Lord, thank You that You're strengthening my weakness. Instead of my weakness condemning me, I rejoice in my weakness because in my weakness, I am made perfect in love and His strength undergirds my weakness and begins to manifest. But if I talk my weakness and I talk my failures, and I talk my past, and I talk my feelings, then my feelings begin to grow. Your words are water for seeds that have been applied in your life. If you let the seeds of doubt, and the seeds of discouragement, and the seeds of failure, and the seeds of past sins, and the seeds of past mistakes, and you water those, they'll grow up into death and mountains that say things are impossible to you. But if you let the seed of the living Word of God abide on the inside of you, and begin to water it with your words and say, I can do all things through the risen Savior that strengthens me, that undergirds me, that supports me in the midst of my weaknesses, not because of my works, but because of His works. Then I can do all things through the anointing that abides in me, that that devastates, destroys, annihilates all weakness. It says the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing. And that anointing abides on the inside of me and it will undergird and it will strengthen me. And when things Try to attach themselves to me. See, a yoke is something that's a, te- it's, it's a way to join things together. When wrong thinking, when wrong thinking, when wrong believing, when, when oppression and discouragement and fear want to attach themselves to me, I'm going to yield to the anointing from the inside and it'll separate that according to what you believe. No, according to what you believe and what you say. Yeah. Ah, go to Romans chapter 10 and then we'll, we'll hush. Is this okay, guys? I, this is just an encouragement. It's good to believe the right thing. When somebody says, hey, believe with me this. That's good and that's right and you should do that. But more so than just believing, what are you saying about your situation? What are you saying about the power that raised Jesus from the dead that's in you? Are you saying, that power is working for me? I be, in the, see, it's great. It's easy to say it when everything's working good. And we can get into a religious mindset. Well, God doesn't care. He's in the back of the boat asleep and doesn't He know we're going to die? But He said, go to the other side. And he, he didn't say, oh, it's okay. I can rebuke the storm and you can't. He said, oh, ye of little faith. Yeah. Why didst thou doubt? In other words, He said, we're going to the other side. They could have stood up and said, we're going to make it to the other side. They could have resisted the storm. It's your mountain requires your voice. Yes. Yeah. Your weakness requires your voice. Yes. Yes. You're testing trials looking for your voice. Yeah. Amen. Yes. So but what saith it? Romans 10, verse number 8. What, what saith it? The word is nigh thee. Where is it at? In thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised from the dead, you'll be... See, the word... You have to believe in your heart and believe in your words. Believe in your words. See, let the conviction, that revelation, that witness on the inside of you... See, the witness... Anybody know what I mean by witness? You know, anybody ever had a scripture jump out to you? It's not enough that a scripture jumps out to you and reflects your heart. It's got to get from your heart into your mouth. If a scripture jumps out to you, stop reading right there. And then begin to put that scripture in your mouth. 
Are you out there? But whatsoever is born of God, 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that we have that overcomes the world, even our faith. My faith in God's Word gives me the ability to conquer and overcome all that's in the world. My confidence and my leaning on, me resting upon, how am I going to rest in God? I'm going to rest in Him with my words and with my heart. I'm going to lean on Him with my words. When my mind, will, and emotion says, you're stupid. (laughs) When it says, you don't have the answer and you're confused. Did you know it is absolutely scriptural for a Christian to be confused and mentally tormented? Else, why would you need a helper? I don't know anybody that is emotionally sound uh, that is going to a therapist. You go to a therapist because you're messed up. Mm -hmm. You have a problem. But see, the Bible says the Holy Ghost is our therapist. It says He's our counselor. counselor. So instead of being condemned when you feel confused, don't let confusion condemn you. Because see, the devil will make you feel confused and then condemn you for feeling (laughs) confused. Just know what to do when you feel confused. Yes. So I'm confused about this. Lord, I'm going to take some time and I'm going to fellowship with my counselor. Yeah. And so then when confusion raises its head and oppression and torment come on your mind, will, and emotions, speak to that mountain and say, I am not confused. I have peace. I know what to do. I know what he's my sheep. I'm His sheep and I hear His voice. He is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He directs my path. He... Are you out there? See, speaking to... See, a lot of times we think of speaking to the mountain of sickness and disease and different things, but confusion and discouragement and depression are heavy in the church world. But you've got to speak to it. Depression and discouragement is so easy to overcome. It's the easiest thing to overcome. But the reason we don't is because we like it. Because it makes you feel like you're touching the problem. And worry and fear make you feel like you're accomplishing something by meditating. And it makes you feel... There's something that's perverted and twisted in feeling sorry for yourself. Because there's something that's so justifying and feels good about it, but yet at the same time it's so repulsive. See how twisted that is? But you've got to draw a line in the sand and say, it is not acceptable behavior for me to ever sulk or feel sorry for myself. Because there was no one that's ever been depressed that didn't feel sorry for themselves. (laughs) Depression, ultimately, basically, is just feeling sorry for yourself. And finding it acceptable, and then finding other people that feel sorry for themselves, and let's create a community of people that feel sorry for ourselves. Now 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 it's coming along years and we can't say that. Let's rename it and call it this. Now there's 17 different venues of depression or feeling sorry for yourself. And because it's categorized and named, that makes it legitimate and acceptable. And I'm not condemning you, but I'm just saying, feeling sorry for yourself is easy to conquer if you put the word in your heart and in your mouth. 
and you begin to say, man, the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy, I count it all, James chapter 1, verse number 3, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, the trying of faith. What's a temptation? When you have feelings to do wrong. When you feel and desire to do wrong, that is a temptation. What do you do in that midst? Do you count it joy? Woo-hoo-hoo! This is an opportunity! <laughs> See, that's the exact opposite of what you feel like you want to do, but I'm not going by feelings. I'm going to believe it in my heart, and I'm going to say it with my mouth. I'm, I'm full of joy. And in the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. What if you make a mistake? Then get up and say, I'm full of joy. I'm right with God. I'm, he's right with me, and I'm right with Him, and He'll never leave me nor forsake me so that I can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What if you fell yesterday? Get up and say, the Lord is with me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. He's always with me so that I can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What if you fell tomorrow? Get up and say, Lord that is with me. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. I can boldly say, the Lord is my helper. What if you fell on Tuesday? Get up and say, the Lord is my helper, and He's my strengthener, and He's my keeper, and He's my sustainer. But see, the more you focus on your works, the more of a failure you're going to have in your mentality. But when you begin to focus on His works, man, Jesus died for this. This is the reason He came. This is the reason He bled. And if somebody knows about your failures, look what you did. And I said, that's fine. I did that. And that's just what you know about. And there's probably a lot worse that you don't know about. But there's something that somebody else did. He did something. He did something. He did something. He ripped open His flesh undeservingly, illegally, died on my behalf so that I can have His life, His relationship with God, Him being right with God, Him earning. You see, the salvation is all about works. And it is true. The world is right. But it's not about my works. It's about His works. He earned it. He earned it. He earned it. He earned it. And then He gave me His credit card. He said, here on it. I'm right with God and I'm going to give it to you. See, there is a judgment seat of Christ to those that will obey Him. But the judgment seat of the Father, we get to to bypass that on give your $200 and pass goal, you know. But the world wants to make it about your works. And when they do, just turn the table and say, yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I received somebody that did earn it. Yes. And he gave me a free gift and yeah. you can too. That's and then we work out our salvation. Yeah, Amen. Are you out there? Yeah. But how do you access and resource that power? By believing in your heart and saying with your mouth. Amen. Uh, I better hush. Uh, we went 10 minutes over. Uh, is that all right? And um, I'd encourage you, uh, just to meditate on these things, get them on the inside of you, and uh, let the Lord help you with it. Amen? And uh, we'll do, I'll say a prayer, and then we'll have the kids uh, come, and then uh, we'll go from there. Amen? Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to share and fellowship around these scriptures. And Lord God, we speak the life of God over each person here. We speak the peace of God over each person here. We speak the love of God over each person here. The love of God... Cast out the perfect love, cast out all fear yes. and torment. Yes. Fear has torment. So we speak that the love of God would abound in each person here. And that fear, we resist fear and torment. We take authority over depression, discouragement, and despair. And we resist that in Jesus' name. And we commit our words to speak to discouragement, to speak to despair, speak to fear. And we say we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us. And that word, that life is abounding in us bringing forth answers and change and resolution in Jesus' name. Amen.